friends. I have a question for you as we get started today. All right. When you hear the name Jesus, what is the first adjective that pops into your mind? Don't judge it. Don't explain it away. Don't go on to one you think's better. But like, what is the first word? Oh, no. We already have laughter back here. <laughs> that comes to mind when you hear Jesus. I'm very eager to hear their answer. But once you have an answer in mind, turn and talk to your neighbor. Tell them what that word is for you. <laughs> she wanted to tell Jeremy. Oh, <laughs> That's a lot of words. That's a lot of words. All right, somebody tell me, what was the first word that popped into your mind? Love. Stinky Barnes. Stinky Barnes. Stinky, okay. Stinky Jesus. Okay, we can go with that. The barn is stinky. Okay. That's right. You are correct. Okay. Somebody else. What was it? Childbirth. Childbirth, okay. Very good. Wonderful. Wonderful. Mighty. Mighty. Grace. Grace. Sweet. Sweet. Savior. Savior. Compassion. Compassion. Boy. Boy. Joy. Okay. Good. Holy. Holy. Awesome. You're in the first service. Yeah, that one came up a lot in the first service. Holy. Yeah. Growing up, I'll tell you all, the, the first words that kind of came to my mind were kind, loving, um, holy. You know, like I was just as a kid, especially imagine Jesus uh, with just like this glow as he walked about, you know, um, I would say um, serious was a word I usually associated with Jesus. Um, sorry, y'all. Testing one, two, three. I don't know if we're coming back from that. We'll see. Okay. loving, holy, focused, powerful, solemn even is a word that came to mind. Uh, but this is the picture that was kind of like peppered all over my church that kind of solidified this picture in my mind. Did anybody else have a picture like this in their church? Yeah, this is this was very commonplace in the 80s and 90s, I believe. It was everywhere. Um, however, there were some words that I'll admit to you I thought were kind of out of the question for Jesus, that were like totally off base. They were off limits to be used to describe him. They might even be like heretical to apply to this man. And those were words like fun, playful, joyful, because in my mind, Jesus was, you know, Jesus. He had serious business that he needed to be about. And so um, he was kind of above all that. He was on this important mission. And so he didn't have any time for all that fluff. But let me tell you something. Joy is not fluff. 
Joy is serious business. It's an act of resistance in the face of despair. And it is something that I have become absolutely positively convinced that not just characterized Jesus's life, but exuded it. For example, Jesus, he often dropped jokes into his teachings, um, not Wayne Hunter level jokes. Uh, if you all got to experience them, right, Melinda? They're, we can't top those. But I mean, Jesus, he would slide some in, but we miss them because the, the cultural context is so different. But I mean, Jesus is sitting there talking about things and he talks about a camel going through the eye of a needle. That's ridiculous. That would have made people chuckle throughout the crowd. And then, you know, here's Jesus. His disciples are always rushing him along from one important thing to the next. And what does he do? He tells them to slow down so that he can play with the kids. He welcomes the children onto his lap. And I don't know why we always want to act like these children were like little angels, totally well-behaved, right? Like they sat there with their hands folded and didn't say a word in Jesus's presence. There is 0% chance that that happened. Children don't have filters. And so I have to wonder, like as Jesus is welcoming them onto his lap, did one of them like ask a, ask a funny question like, why did God make mosquitoes? What good are they? A question that Gracie Lee Harris um, sent me in a video not too far back, and I had to come up with some answer to explain. Um, or I wonder if one of the kids reached up and like grabbed Jesus's nose out of curiosity, or if another started dancing in front of him, showing them his, their new trick, just like our kids do when they want to show us something that they're proud of. I just can't believe that in that moment, Jesus was not sitting there and laughing and smiling right along with them. In addition, Jesus loved to feast with his friends. You read through the gospel and every time you turn the page, he's sitting down to eat again. And you know, they just didn't sit there in silence. They were sharing stories with one another. They were celebrating big events in one another's lives. And in their history as a people, you know that laughter had to be rolling out into the streets as they shared this time with one another. Jesus was not a stoic. He was not a person who thought that life was supposed to be devoid of all pleasure. Although I'll admit that is how I spent the better part of my life picturing Jesus and living out my life in light of that. However, all we have to do to see that that wasn't the case is to take a look at the very first miracle that Jesus, Jesus um, performed. Jesus, in the midst of all he had going on, he made time to attend a wedding. And you all, weddings back in the day, they're, they're not the same as now, okay? Like, we go to a wedding, and we're sitting there, and if the service gets over, like, 30 minutes, you see people, like, start checking their watches, right? Like, did they really have to put that other song in there? Are they really going to stand there and look at each other this entire chorus? You know, we get antsy, ready to go. But in the time of Jesus, weddings, they didn't last for just hours. They lasted for days, in fact, this wedding that Jesus is at is on day three. They've been having a great time celebrating together until there is this huge problem. The wine has run out. And so on multiple levels, this is a challenge. 
Um, it's a challenge because, um, first of all, the people are looking for the wine. <laughs> it's a challenge because as a good host, you weren't supposed to run out of it. It would have been a strike against you and your hospitality and would have, have um, definitely detracted from your social status if you didn't provide this for your guests. And then on top of that, you have this newly married couple, and this could be interpreted as an omen about their future. Should they just give up before they even get started? They don't even have wine to make it through their celebration. It kind of reminds me of, of mine and Jeremy's wedding. Um, first of all, you know, your parents are supposed to go up and light that unity candle together, you know, and my dad forgot to take my mom up, first of all. She's like <laughs> up there by herself looking around for him. <laughs> And then it comes time to light the candle, and me and Jeremy, we try, and we try, and we try, and that thing is not going to light. So if you look in all of our pictures, it's hilarious because it's like a progression, like, like you know, you see the the uh, stress, <laughs> and then it like turns into laughter as like you see the pastor's hand who was distraught reaching over trying to dig the wick out of the candle <laughs> so that we can light it. Pro tip, always pre-light the wick. Thank you, Andrea. I should have consulted someone like you. Um, but uh, when, I, when I meet with couples, I'm like, don't do the unity candle, just leave it out. But uh, anyway, <laughs> too risky, too risky. But I mean, we could have taken that as a sign that maybe... Maybe we, we shouldn't keep going down this road, but look at us all these years later, still going strong. Um, however, Jesus' mom, in this moment, where everyone else is just seeing despair, she sees possibilities instead of just empty pots. She looks at her son, Jesus, and she says, you know, hey, Jesus, why don't you, like, move things along? Why don't you keep this party going? Why don't you just take care of this and save this family the embarrassment and, and free this, this couple from this dark cloud that would be hanging over them? But Jesus' first response is this. He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. And I'm going to pause right here, especially to my youth standing here in the room. <laughs> Do not call your mom woman, okay? Don't emulate this after Jesus. There, in, in, my, in my Bible, there's a little asterisk beside this word, and it says, this was not derogatory in this day and time. So I wanted to make that clear. Don't go home and call your mom woman and say, well, Jesus did it. But um, Jesus said, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Because what Jesus knows is like when he works his first miracle and he does this before other people, like where is going to travel fast, right? There's like no going back from this point. A man who can turn water into wine, like, you can't keep that quiet. Word is going to spread. And so it seems here is serious, solemn Jesus, not wanting to have a good time. You know, him being all concerned about staying on task and keeping the timeline. But I have to wonder if this is actually a very playful moment. He says, no, but either one of three things happens. Either his mother, Mary, is mad that she called been called woman, which we've already said. It wouldn't have offended her. But, you know, she acts like she didn't hear him. She has selective hearing in this moment. Or she, she didn't hear him um, and, um, and just, like, goes ahead with her plan. Or she's kind of in on the joke. 
Because the very next thing she says after he says no is, hey, servants, do whatever he says. And so I have to wonder, like, you know, what was Jesus's body language like when he said no? What was the, the tone of his voice? Was, was he being sarcastic in this moment? Did he shoot his mom a wink and say, like, watch this, mom, what I'm about to do here? But, but what we know um, is, is that Jesus responds. When, he, when his mom says, um, do whatever he says, he moves forward. Um, Carla and I had the chance to visit the place where this miracle um, is believed to have taken place in Cana. And there are preserved all kinds of different vessels that could have been used to hold wine and serve wine in. Um, they're nice little vessels there, right? But Jesus, he chose nothing like this. Jesus instead says to the servants, you see these huge old jars? I want you to fill these jars up with water. Now, uh, these jars were sitting there um, to hold water for, for ceremonial cleaning. And um, I can assure you those jars were going nowhere. No one was picking these jars up and going and filling them up with water. So I assume that they had to go and draw water and bring it and, and fill these jars up again and again and again. This would have taken a minute, okay? Um, but you have to wonder as the servants are doing this, like, are they grumbling? Are they giggling the whole time? Like, who does this guy think that he is? Or maybe even like, why is he making us waste our time? But after the jars were filled, Jesus told them, now draw some water from the jars and take it to the master of the banquet. And so they do. They, they dip into this water. They take it to the master of the banquet. And when the master drinks it, the unthinkable has happened. This water has turned into wine. And not just any wine, like the very best wine that has been served up to this point. And usually, as, as a good host, you would serve the best wine first to impress all your guests because, you know, like as the party goes on, it, it matters less how that wine tastes, right? So you serve the good stuff first. Uh, but now, like, the best stuff has come out. And so you know, like, as, as people start sipping it, that, that there had to be smiles, there had to be laughter and dancing and singing as the party continues on. And as what could have been an embarrassment to this family becomes esteem for them instead. And as what could have been an omen that hung over this couple becomes a blessing on their future. Jesus created joy in this moment that seemed doomed for despair. And in doing so, he gave us a sign. He gave us a sign of the abundant joy that he had come to bring to us that would drive out the despair of this world. He gave us a sign of the abundant joy that he had come to make possible for every single one of us. Joy is this intense feeling this intense feeling of spiritual connection, of pleasure, and of appreciation. And we become more of ourselves when we experience it. Researchers tell us that when we experience joy, that colors actually become brighter for us, that our movements become easier and freer for us, and that our smiles just can't be contained. 
even right alongside other difficult emotions that we might be experiencing, like, like grief or pain. The miracle of joy, it springs up in times when we least expect it as we find ourselves overwhelmed. <laughs> Overwhelmed by the connection, overwhelmed by the pleasure, overwhelmed by the appreciation that Jesus gives as he brings us more fully alive. And so as we come to communion, communion today, I want to give you a new picture of Jesus, a new picture that we're actually going to be hanging up downstairs in our children's area so that they can see and so that they can feel and so that they can experience the joy that Jesus so wants to bring. Just look at those smiles. Yeah. But Jesus, he came to, to be good news of great joy for all the people. And you are not the exception. And so as you come to this table today, where Jesus, where, where he doesn't miraculously turn water into wine, but rather bread and juice into his body and his blood so that we might experience his presence, may you come ready to encounter him and receive the joy that he gives. May you experience the miracle of coming more fully alive as you connect and enjoy and appreciate him.